Hello, and welcome to episode one of Now Screaming. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently on Netflix. So you don't have to. We'll get into the housekeeping of what that means a little later, but this week we'll be talking about the 1997 movie Scream 2, which is currently on Netflix, mm-hmm. and which we've both seen many times and have pretty strong feelings many about. Many times, yes. Uh, but first, before we get into the movie itself, I figured it might be useful to talk a little bit about our, our backgrounds in, in horror movies. Yes, because we have very different different backgrounds. So, Evan, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite scary movie? It's hard to answer that. My gut instinct is Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's probably what I would say is my favorite horror movie. That's what I would say is your favorite horror movie. Uh, lately, I've been thinking a lot about how I feel that Rosemary's Baby defines, like, what I'm looking for in a horror movie. Okay. Is that, is that just you overcompensating because of Roman Polanski, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> I really... What do you mean? Because you... I feel like a lot of the times you talk about how you, you love it so much, but you don't want to, and the not, the not wanting to is a part also of the loving it. You know what I mean? The, the conflicted feelings. Exactly. That, 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 and maybe that's maybe that is another reason why it is a great horror movie because we can't just dismiss it because Roman Polanski is a piece of shit. Yes. We have to be like, well, this movie's incredible and it's really important for horror. Probably. That's probably why I think about it. You know, there's, there's an internal yes. conflict yes. within me. Oh, if it was a shitty movie, we could just be like, bye. Well, no, also like, I love it and it's... Ethically complicated. Whereas Halloween, I have no such <laughs> it's just feelings about. It's just, it is perfect. It the first is. time I saw it, I was expecting, I guess we're getting a little bit into yeah, being into horror movies. Yeah, how did you get into horror is, is the next question. How I got into horror is, I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up because my mother hated horror movies. She just doesn't enjoy them. The first horror movie I remember seeing was Wes Craven's Cursed, which is a PG-13 teen horror movie about werewolves. Yeah. Nice. It's pretty bad, and that's what I thought horror movies were. <laughs> and then some I had a are. friend. Some of the ones we'll be talking about this podcast are, are that very. bad. <laughs> I had a friend who used to show me a ton of horror movies. Uh, my friend James shouts out, who awesome. we would just like watch constantly. I watched all of Scream franchise with him. I watched all of Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. I remember he showed me really early. He showed me Dario Argento's Suspiria. And this is where we're getting a little into our differences oh, in, yes. Oh, yes. in horror. Um, <laughs> but no, I just watched a ton of, and I was a ravenous consumer because like now I would consider horror maybe even my, my favorite genre if we're just plucking things out. I mean, it's the one yeah. I have a podcast about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like a ton of foreign horror films, a lot of the, the limited horror that's in the Criterion Collection all is very important to me. And I really love bad horror too. I think I was thinking about this. I'm gonna let you talk about yeah, how you we'll feel. I'm not gonna. Get in, yeah, we'll have to. I'm not gonna proceed you, but horror fun element of it. But um, Liz, what's your favorite horror movie? My favorite scary movie to go for is one of the reasons I'm so excited about this episode is it's the Scream franchise, it's the Scream series, and we've we've discussed before. Uh, I cannot choose between one and four. It's it, it's really a toss up. But I also really love two and three. I feel like they all are part of each other and I um I really genuinely Sydney Prescott is my probably my number one uh favorite character from a horror movie ever um I didn't see Scream until a lot later though I didn't even see Scream 1 until Scream 4 had already been out so I watched all four of them at once basically which was very different and probably not what anyone was intending but it happened um I grew up completely terrified of anything horror at all I, I couldn't watch, like, Disney Channel original Halloween movies. Like, I was so beyond. I didn't want... Halloween anything. Town was too scary Halloween for you? Halloween Town was way... There's some, there's some scary parts of Halloween Town. Like, let's be real with ourselves. And, um, and any... I guess I could probably handle, like, children's movies that were a little scarier. Like, you know, the movie we saw last night, I could have I could have dealt with that. But I would have been terrified. I would have been so scared. And I, um... The movie we saw last night was Kubo and the Two, Kubo strings. The two strings. You don't have to be obtuse <laughs> about it. I don't it. want to talk about Kubo. Um, but it was, it was, there were scary elements of it that I really enjoyed. And I, as a child, I probably would have been like, that's okay. But I would have been, like, had nightmares about it. And this lasted until I was at least in high school. Um, my first 
scary movie I ever watched that made me kind of like sit up more in my chair and uh, be like, oh, what, what, what is... Time for good posture. Time for <laughs> good posture and good consumption of, of film. And it, that was the, the M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. Ah. Oh, yes. True, true art. Which I still, to this day, really love. Like, their M. Night has, uh, has let us down in a myriad what do you ways. Mean? Don't get into it. I want to hear your opinions on Avatar The Last Airbender. I've never seen that movie. But he loves it. Um, I love Lady in the Water. <laughs> love The, the, ha- the Happening is the scariest movie of all time. Art. True, true horror, horror art. Um, but the, I, I do love The Sixth Sense, really, genuinely. I think it was probably the... It was scary enough. I still think that there are parts of it that are pretty creepy, but it was the emotional element that ended up really, really, really grabbing me and still does to this day. It's a much more psychological film than... Well, no, no, because when I tried to first watch it, I did get really frightened of it. Um, it's not just the dead people. They're really horrifying dead people. They're, like, it's it's that housewife that wants to kill herself, mm-hmm. and the little boy with the, his, the back of his head blown off. Like, it's frightening. It's very scary. And, it's, and you're seeing it through the eyes of a child, which is very frightening um but it's the it's the it's the metaphor i think which i think will definitely come up in this podcast a lot oh yeah not with scream 2 um because obviously there's a big difference between like the ghost aspect ghosts monsters and the man with a knife aspect of scream but um i think the sixth sense it being very metaphorical and very like what what monsters mean in society which i really is a topic that I would love to to talk about, and I'm sure we'll talk about on this podcast. Yeah. The only other thing I would discuss, Ari, my background, um, in contrast to you, is that I feel that you have a very uh, expansive, um, classical view of horror movies. The, hor- the horror canon. The horror canon, exactly. And I think that because I came into the game so late, most of the movies I saw that were my um, kind of... Uh, as I, when I saw The Sixth Sense and I started seeing more and more horror, was movies that were coming out that I would see in the theaters. So they were a lot of remakes and a lot of just like very, very silly, fun, campy horror movies with a few like gems thrown in, but now I'm still, I'm playing catch up in a lot of ways. To that point, I think what I was alluding to earlier is I think that you have a much greater tolerance than I for what I would call in, in wrestling the, the mid card, <laughs> the, the not remarkable horror movie that's not really doing anything interesting, but it's it's entertaining on a base level versus I think I have a higher tolerance for absolute schlock yes. that is just so bad it's good or so bad it's unwatchable kind of in all genres, but specifically with the regard yes, to horror. Yes, and I think that what it, it, it really comes down to our origins, which is why I think we needed to talk about it, of you, your origins being in these like older, classic, but really, really good but unwatchable in, in many ways because it's the gore is so different than it is in modern horror movies and it, it looks a little bit faker and it's harder to buy into it. And my, what I enjoy in a horror movie is in the emotional component. And I think you can have a very bad horror movie that um, isn't really saying anything or doing anything or, or saying anything important, um, but you can have like one character who really you connect with, and I think that is something that I can often find in horror movies um, where we tend to disagree. Yeah, I think that'll come up a lot on this podcast. Probably. Just in terms of us coming at these things at different different levels. Definitely. I think about remakes, uh, I just do, do want to say that once upon a time, a friend and I, same friend, still James, <laughs> decided to watch as many horror movie original and remake pairs as we could. So I've seen a lot of these remakes in context of having just watched the original, mm-hmm. you know, two hours earlier, yeah. versus you've seen a lot of remakes and then not gone back and seen the... Or years later. Or years later, Years yeah. later. I saw um, the remake of Friday the 13th and loved it, really genuinely, because I think it's really fun and hysterically funny. Um, and then years later, went back and watched Friday the 13th, uh, the original. And, and Don't I, pretend that you still don't love it, even though it's horrible. I do... I like. I also really like the original, um, but I I think that the remake is really fun. I still think it's fun. Yeah. I really there aren't any on Netflix right now. Friday the Thirteenth movies. No. That's a shame. I really hope one comes up because maybe I maybe they're they're between when I made the list and when we've discuss, when we're talking about it now, like four or five movies have been added. So the best one, which is six, by the way, Jason Lives, 
It used to be on Netflix, and I would love to talk about that if it ever comes up. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of movies being removed from Netflix, um, I we, we should jump into Scream, because it's all four Scream movies used to be on Netflix. Yeah. And this is the only one left, and I think that is terrible. Um, I... Uh, they all four were on and then and then they took four off first and I, was, I was okay with that because i owned it and i was like eh, one through three is really the trilogy so we can be fine with that and then they took one and three off and doesn't make any sense leaving just leave two, two alone is weird like that's i'm sure there's choice. some licensing issue but yeah i don't understand so yeah let's jump into scream two mm-hmm. uh it's worth noting obviously spoilers for the entire scream franchise <laughs> we're not just going to talk about this one because I don't think yes. we can talk about it in total isolation. Not in total. I have a lot to say about this movie specifically. Oh, sure. I think we've talked about it in terms of at least Scream, you know? Yes. And it's so dependent on that. Of so course, if you haven't course. seen Scream 2... Or Scream. You know? Or Scream 3 or Scream 4, you should watch them immediately. Pro- watch, stop this podcast and go watch them. <laughs> but also you can listen to us because we got lots of good things to say. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to start with my... Yeah, yeah. My number one topic, which is I want to talk... I, this... We Keeping are, in mind, again, we've seen this movie a lot. A, many times. So this is, we're trying to look at it specifically in this time with a very fresh eye, or at least I was. I really wanted to kind of try to approach this in a new way, thinking about new things. And the first way that I did that is that, coincidentally, the most recent episode of a true crime podcast that I listened to that I'm not going to say was about the Gainesville murder. And I don't want to get into the nitty gritty details of this murder because it was actually very confusing. But a big component of it was um, the idea of monetizing people's trauma. Um, The guy who did the murders was in prison and a woman was gonna write a book about him and the victim's families, because there were many of them, really came out of um, the woodwork to oppose the, the writing of this book because they were like, you shouldn't, the writer of this book who also had romantic relations with the, uh, I was gonna say villain, this isn't a movie, the bad guy, the killer, the, the guy, bad guy, the, bad guy, the guy in prison, the one who did it. Had when he was killing or when he was in prison? No, when he was in prison. She oh, was like, like, oh, a, everyone is mis- like misreading him. I'm going to tell a, a death story. Row wife kind of Exactly. Thing. And so she was going to tell a story and they were like, you shouldn't make money off this and neither should he. Um, and it all came back also to the son of Sam Law. And there was all this um, talk about it. And Kevin Williamson saw this happening and that's what made him decide to write Scream. Really? Yes. And I think that's insane because Scream is so about monetizing horror and violence. And it has an, I think, a semi-negative, but also... This is this is what I want to get into and talk about because I think that Scream looks down on it in a little bit of a way, but it can't look down on it too much because that's why... As a franchise? It, as a franchise. Well, because in, in its discussion of Stab... It tends to, I think... Which only exists too forward, in all fairness. Yes, yes, exactly. And Scream 1, the original, gets into, like, Randy being potentially a killer because he has all this horror movie knowledge. Right. Um, But that's really the only... Oh, and that line about um, horror movies make killers more creative. Yes. Don't blame the movies. Uh, So that was at least a... A, a nugget in the original Scream. Wait, it's, I mean, it's a pretty meta movie in its own right, but I don't think in the same way. Wait, Not as far as like monetizing, at least. Right, because Stab in Scream 2 as a movie is supposed to be like... It's, it's almost ridiculous how excited everybody is about it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, not to detract... Or no, 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 keep going. Is How do you feel about its... The whole intro sequence being a, a commentary on the the spectacle and people being distracted that Jada Pickett Smith is up there on the stage dying and everyone's like, LOL. Oh, it's funny. Maybe yeah. it's, a, it's a publicity thing. It's a publicity stunt. Well, I think the, the craziest thing about, um, the stab premiere, which is not, cannot be imitating real life in any way, because even if it's in scream four, these were people who were flocking to the theaters and screaming and throwing things at the screen and getting all excited. That's because that franchise already exists. Yeah. Presumably, Stab is just a movie. It's the first movie of its fran- of the Stab franchise. No one had ever really, unless you'd read Gail Weathers' book. But everyone knew about the Woodsboro murders. Though. I guess. I guess that's the really horrible part of it. Is it isn't people being excited about a movie? It's people being excited about murder in general. Which is, I mean, it goes to true crime. It's yes. like the popular of true crime, and especially what. 
jumping ahead, what uh, Mickey's saying at the end about everyone loving a good trial, and the 90s being, this ties into more that we're going to talk about, but like, O.J. Simpson, or, you know, Mm -hmm. anything else that's going on, is that, like, this is, the lens really being turned on, you know, with Red Murders, as a true crime event, Gail Mm -hmm. Weathers is a true crime writer now, and everyone's really excited about Stab, because of that. Because of that, and I think that's the part that's, like, a little bit twisted of, like... But it is being marketed that way. It is Stab as a entity's fault because they're passing out ghost face masks right but that's and that's i think the the most interesting part of it is that they're they're like creating this rabid fan base and also blaming them for it i don't know it's it was an interesting it's an interesting commentary from scream i think that's the the best thing about it is it's like it's kevin williamson and wes craven being like these are horrible but we're also making a horror movie and i think that 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 conflict is one of the most interesting parts of this I think one of the things I really like about Scream 2 is it's sort of turning the, the meta of Scream on its head. I mean, Scream obviously being, we don't need to say, like, just had a, what a groundbreaking and important movie it is for horror in general. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven really being the master of that, having, you know, redefined the genre so many times. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, probably the most important horror filmmaker of all time. Ever? You, John Carpenter's I know. <laughs> best friend. I wish I was John Carpenter's best friend. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I think it's between the two. Yeah. I think that John Carpenter's... I don't know. John Carpenter's highs are so high. And obviously, ha- Scream wouldn't exist without Halloween. But Nightmare is also just so important. And Last House on the Left... Uh, com- I have complicated feelings about it, as everyone should. But mm-hmm. is an incredibly important film. And was Wes Craven's first film. And is like a very harsh piece of social commentary mm-hmm. and to just i don't know and then we were talking about like i think new nightmare is the best nightmare on Elm street movie and it's it's meta in the way that scream is and it's interested well in the way that the franchise is and then it's interested in film and its relationship to horror horrible acts that people do mm-hmm. and um, that's definitely what comes up a lot here i mean it's their film class conversation is specifically i think kind of upsetting because one, we can get into this a little bit later, but Mickey's in that class and it's horrible. Oh, yeah. He's having that conversation. Um, but also talking, talking about how much he loves James Cameron. Talking about how- <laughs> can we, can we, just like Sabar, this is nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. I don't know. Had Titanic had come out yet? I don't know. That's worth yeah. looking up. It is the year of Titanic, however. Yeah. We're talking the it, release dates, it doesn't matter. They both came out in ninety seven, so okay. obviously Scream Two had to be made before Titanic was the phenomenon it was. Yes. And they're making fun of James Cameron. I think that's really interesting. That I don't think that he It depends he who was. you side with in the uh, in the conversation. If you side with Sarah Michelle Geller like me, then yes. But if you side with them as like film boy nerds. Can I out you? For what? Having never seen Alien or Aliens? Yeah, you can out me. Okay, that. so you can't have an opinion <laughs> on whether she's right about that. Have you seen the Terminator no, movies? No, she's not, she's not talking about Alien vs. Aliens. She's just saying you people are disgusting and you have boring movie opinions. Which they do. Yeah. Well, Randy she's not, also... She's not actually... Ooh, if we want to get into Randy, this can be our segue. No, let's talk about film, this film okay. class, then we'll go into okay. Randy. The yeah. film class, uh, the reason that it really hit me this time is that this movie did come out in 1997. And we hadn't even really had the big movie theater shooting. Yeah. But they had that conversation about a multiplex being a dangerous place to be these days. And I think that's like terrifying. I hate when I watch movies from the 90s and I'm like, this could have come out this year and that reference would make sense to everybody. Yeah. That's horrifying to me. So... The other thing I want to say, just so that I thought of, is that Sarah Michelle Gellar wasn't Buffy yet. This is pre-Buffy. pre-Buffy? Yeah. She was on uh, All My Children. She was on some soap. I thought that she was, that this was like a response to her being your 90s horror, like not horror because Buffy isn't like really horror, but like kind of kick-ass girl. Um, But no, she, uh, that's so interesting because then she was also in Scooby-Doo as like a, like. That's much later though. It is, but it's, 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 I think she got Scooby-Doo because of Buffy because she was the, in your mind, like she was the kick-ass flying through the air um, that's why they have her play that character who they've like changed for the movie of like, it's Sarah Michelle Gellar and she's kicking dudes in the face. Buffy premiered in March and this movie came out in December. So she was Buffy, but she, but Buffy wasn't Buffy. Buffy. Yes. 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 Buffy season one isn't even, isn't even good. So, <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I, I I actually just think that the film class conversation was pretty. It's it's one of the real like nice moments, the lighter nice moments of comedy in the movie. Yeah. But it's horrifying as a second, third, fiftieth view. Um, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Because it's just Mickey being in that classroom is horrifying. It's like scary. Specifically, I think because um, I I wanted I I wonder if he was the one at the actual theater because I thought it was him. It makes sense for it to be him. I think it's his voice in the bathroom stall when um, talking about mommy, mommy. Talking about mommy, mommy because there is clearly a mother son dynamic between him and him and Debbie slash Mrs. Loomis. Does she have a first name? Or should we just call her Mrs. Loomis or should we call her Debbie Salt? I like calling... We're going to we get so many directions to go. Yes. I like calling her Mrs. Loomis because it's Mrs. Voorhees. Mrs. Voorhees, yes. Which is literally just who she is. Yeah. And they give that away in the middle of the movie, which is like the I, best part. No. I it's really it. great. I love it. Her being Mrs. Voorhees is why... I, I also like Debbie Salt. Debbie Salt's a great name. Debbie Salt as a character when she's being it. Debbie Salt... Oh my God. Is she's so incredible. She's so bumbling and... Yes. No, I, I really do want to talk about Debbie. I wrote down Debbie as a character um, because... What is the, what, is there an opposite word for a red herring? Because that's what, she's the opposite of one. Red hair, like, if there's a red herring in this movie, it's Derek. A clue? No. Is that the word you're looking no, for? No, no, it's more complicated than that because she's, she's in the whole movie. Yeah. You see her. In and out. She doesn't really have a purpose except just to be, like, bothering Gail. And you buy into it for the whole movie until you find out that it's her. Like, I, when I first watched Scream 2, oh, I was you never no like, idea. she's the killer, because why is she there? The it only just, time it's suspicious, I think, again, it's hard to, it's hard to have context because you see this so many yeah, times, it's hard to say. is when she's at the payphone. Which is seconds before you find out anyway. Yeah. Um, but even then, I wanted to talk about that. Like, is, is she fresh off killing Hallie, or is she... Uh, was that Mickey? Was that Mickey and she's like coming Here's in Here's my theory. As the cavalry. Here's my theory. We can get into this now of who did, who Let's did. Talk about, we wanted to break down. Who did what murder? Who killed who? Killed who? Who? who killed who? Uh, so the first murder, I would put first murder is on Mickey. The couple in the movie theater. Couple in the movie theater. Uh, Maureen and Phil. Isn't that his name? Phil Stevens. Stevens. Phil Stevens. Um, Maureen Evans and Phil Stevens. Yes. Yes. Uh, who are incredibly placed in this movie. They, <laughs> Scream 1, for all its greatness, is incredibly white. And opening Scream 2 with the criticism of horror movies being incredibly white yes. was a good move, I think. Even as like sort of a jokey thing, which it is. It's, meta, it's, like, it's, metacrit- it's metacritical. It's, yeah. And that's what Scream does. So Black Eyed Peas. Black Eyed like, Peas. That's... Yes, and uh, he thinks that she's and, make, and making fun of her wanting to go see Sandra Bullock, which is also incredibly white, and how where is there like what is the place for these two people to go see right. on a Friday night, um, besides seeing either the incredibly white romantic comedy or the incredibly white horror movie, um, and I and I think it was important to do because then they had the two great black characters in this movie, of Hallie and Joel, yeah, um, and Hallie does die but Joel doesn't so. <laughs> Joel, but Hallie, straight up walking out of the film, is like, I'm not in a movie. brilliant moment. It's <laughs> yes. just ha- letting him have the agency to like, just not be involved anymore. Nope. He's like, I know what happens to people in these movies, and I'm not letting it happen. And Hallie was not killed in a uh, com- like um, comedic element the way that yeah. uh, typically the um, what am I looking for? Comedic effect character is killed dramatically in the beginning. Hallie is killed as the final. Yeah. Oh, I guess before Derek, but the. The second to last final to hurt Sydney and make her feel guilty. Because that's what this is about also. It's like Sydney's guilt in these movies. This is where I feel like Sydney's guilt really takes off. Yeah. Because Scream 1, anybody can have a terrible thing happen to them. Oh, yeah. Anybody can have a really terrible situation and murders can happen and your life can change. But then she goes to college and it's, she's ready to put it behind her. But the rest of the okay. movies are about Sydney. Like and, specifically and about... guilt. And well, about really like, Scream 1 is about Sydney though. It is, but it's not about her feeling guilty. None yeah. of that is her fault. She's being targeted. In this, Derek and Hallie die because of her. I mean, everybody dies because of her. But Hallie, it's her fault that she makes... Hall- she waits. She's like, let's go back and see who it is. Yeah. And Hallie dies. And then she doubts Derek and then he dies. So those two things, not that I would say that it's actually her fault because it's not, it's the people murdering them, but in the span of her own guilt, those two things she had an active hand in, whereas I don't think she had an active hand in any of the deaths 
that happened in Scream 1. I will say, it's hard with tropes and Scream because it is so self-aware. Mm-hmm. But it does have... I mean, the black guy does die first. Yes, that's very Which true. also happened in the movie we watched last night. Not Kubo, but... <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, Sydney's guilt. And so Murder 2 is Randy. So, no, it's not. It's Cece. It is Cece. Uh, I did not write that down for some reason. Or no, I didn't. I, all I wrote was Debbie the Sneak. So I think it was Debbie. I think that maybe this is my own perceptions. That's when Debbie shows up right outside the house and was like, I gotta go. Yes. And That's Mickey, the most conspicuous and she Mickey's, is. Mickey's at the party. Mickey's at the party. That's why it can't be Mickey. Mickey is fighting about Star Wars at the party. <laughs> and it's my least favorite thing in the entire world because they're wrong about Star Wars. And he's also wrong about the Ewoks. That's a personal... It's a different fight That's a different today. fight. But uh, I think it's funny that they're talking about movies that are sequels and um, technically, I guess... Empire Strikes Back is a sequel. It's because Mickey's obsessed, but... Well, also, Randy's a fake geek boy, because he also thinks that it's a sequel, so... Shut up, Randy. I want to talk about Randy later, because I really have complicated feelings. At, we, should, we should go back to Randy. Uh, so Cece is, is Debbie. Is Debbie. Cause, and, and this is my, my feeling about this, is that I think that all the good murders, the really like clean ones, are Debbie, and I think that Mickey fails a lot. I think that Mickey's a bad uh, murderer. And I think that he's like too hasty. And I think that he succeeds in his first murder because they're very easy because those people are very, there isn't a lot of fight. He stabs someone through a bathroom wall, which is just horrifying. And there's no fight there. And then he very easily is able to stab Maureen in the theater. So I don't think that was difficult. But Cece fights back. And I think that Debbie gets her because Debbie's better. She's more motivated. The note I have about Cece is that she's watching Nosferatu. Oh, yeah. And I didn't like that as a uh, character building that she likes good movies. and Yes, I think that's very clear other in the, people in like the film movies. scene. She's like in this class of dudes. And she says my other favorite line, um, which is she goes, that's so moral majority. And it's my, fa- it's, that's the line I was telling you that was my other favorite. Um, besides the line said to Cece, which is, it's your ill-conceived boyfriend. But that is so moral majority. <laughs> so, like That sets her up immediately as like, this girl knows what she's talking about. The other thing I want to say is, have you seen the 1974 Black Christmas? No, I have seen the remake. <laughs> the 2006 Black Christmas is probably the worst movie it's ever made. Awful. I might it's, actually, it's barely a movie. It's I really, yes. I watched it on Comcast uh, On Demand. I hope that it's on Netflix someday probably. because it is, I don't actually because I can't sit through it. <laughs> the original Black Christmas is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The sorority house phone thing is never going to not remind me of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Christmas is a masterpiece and... It's a little different because obviously the situation is different of like someone being in the house, but I think it's probably on purpose. The way that's set up, the way that she's standing at the bottom of the stairs specifically and looking up, we're getting into visual things that are very specific because we see this movie too many times. Mm -hmm. But that's the other thing I really like about Cece's um, walking around the house being. And that's the angriest that I really ever am about um, a death on screen, possibly. Cece? Cece or Deaths in Scream 4 yeah. that I'm not going to get into. But, uh, oh yeah, Cece a lot because Cece is so great. She's so smart. She, the moment where she picks up the vase. Wait, why is... Let's get into this who killed thing. Why is Debbie killing her? Mickey's at the party. Why is Debbie killing her? Because there's two killers. Mickey has motive. Mickey's at the party. Mick, but she she talks no. shit to Mickey. She makes Mickey feel bad mm. about challenges his masculinity. <laughs> You're right, but it can't be Mickey. Is Mickey like, hey, Debbie, go kill? Probably. Probably, Legi- yeah. Actually, legitimately, that's more of a thing. Is like, we, we should kill this girl because she's going to be the one on the stand uh, against me at my trial saying, I knew this kid from film class. He was always creepy. He was always a sociopath. Please put him on the electric chair and kill yeah. him. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I think that was, that was definitely Debbie, but maybe there was some, some, another element of it. But, uh, Murder 3 is definitely Debbie. Because it's Randy. the Randy. And it's, not only does she say it, but also you can tell you because can, oh, Randy's she, just talking shit about Billions too. Yes. And I, and I. Goading her, really. Goading her, really. And she, it's so funny because she's so smart on the phone. She's so, like, good on the phone. Like, yeah. oh, you're you're never gonna get the girl. You're this stupid idiot. Like you're you're nothing's gonna work out for you. It makes Randy really angry, which then makes 
starts saying stuff about Billy and Stu, yeah. and that makes her angry, which is great. I want to say this about Randy, though. I wanted to talk about Randy, um, and now it's a good time because he, he, we can talk about his death, but I don't like Randy in this movie. Do you like him in the first one? Yes. I think in the first one, he still has that like semi-creepy thing going on, but everybody in the first movie is in love with Sydney. Like, everybody on the planet is in love with Sydney. Me, but... me included. Yes. Um, but I think that there's something about... Randy in the first one, he's he's fulfilling a trope that's like harmless, and the conversation between him and uh, Billy and Stu in the um, uh, movie blockbuster renting videos place, <laughs> I forgot what it's called because they don't exist anymore. R.I.P. R.I.P. Randy. R.I.P. Blockbusters. <laughs> Randy would never have a job because that's all he can do. Um, but he. Uh, the conversation went, that he brings them, and I think that I like him in Scream 3, because his job as the meta, Metacritic to let everyone know how horror movies work, so that the people in the horror movie know how, when they're going to die, um, is great. But he doesn't really do it a lot in Scream 2. His only Scream 2, he does the breath spray and says, the geek should get the girl, and... It's the worst. He does his weird Jamie Kenny British accent. I hate it, I hate it. For I no reason. It. I hate it, and I hate that they go to college together. Because guaranteed, Sydney picked a school, and Randy was like, "Time for me to follow Sydney to that school, and in Ohio, and make her love me." Like, no. It's like, terrible. why would they? Why would Randy not go to school in LA? Why would he not be like, "I'm a film genius. I love myself." No, like, no. He went to there. He went there to seduce her and, and to try to make her um, love him. And he's and he's useless. And his only conversation where he brings any level of meta knowledge to this movie is the conversation where he's talking to Dewey and he 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 really does give away the killer both killers in that conversation which I do think is interesting he says Mrs. Voorhees uh and he also says Mickey's the creepy Tarantino film student and then immediately says but it can't be him because that implies me as well are you done with Randy uh I hate Randy the end okay the thing I really like is that we would expect Derek because of Billy. Except yes, yes. this is the subversion of that. Yes. So of course it can't be Derek, and it doesn't really make sense yes. anyway. And I, I actually put that down because I don't We would expect like Derek. Mickey because he's creepy. Just because he's got creepy eyes and he's a little too weird. Yes. And he's not Derek, he's not the boyfriend. It makes sense. He's Except too. it's a fucking scream movie it's and so never, we're like yeah. oh no he looks creepy he obviously like that's way too easy that no because no, that's what billy is billy is like a little sinister like but he's no, got no no the movie doesn't know he's sinister though scream one scream scream the movie i guess i get that he's supposed that to be a is, is stud sexy. no tatum is like you you got the best guy ever too bad it turned out to be a murderer i knew there was something wrong with him and i'm like Everything's wrong with him. Yeah. He is the worst. But he's he's Johnny Depp. Like that's who he is in, in the screen yeah. movie. Johnny Johnny Depp said exactly. Of shit. But we didn't know that in the nineties. It's so, really you know that uh, Johnny Depp is in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, another West Craven movie. Yes, so yeah. So funny. they're probably trying to set that up also that he is that like stringy haired emotional like yeah. baby but also he's brooding and sexy back to scream 2 my point is is that mickey looks like he would be the killer but that's too obvious for a scream movie yes. so you like write it off and, if it was and just then randy him, brings it up and it's like well that's not him and if it's and if it was just him this movie wouldn't be good he works as the i mean the thing the greatest thing about it is that he's not the mastermind he's, True. he's a pawn yeah and i love debbie doesn't even debbie slash mrs loomis doesn't even give him a second of like triumph really no she doesn't even let him think there's gonna be the second she has sydney in her sights she's like you're dead bye bye no more mickey i like that they met on a serial killer forum i know they're just like you can just do that in the 90s that's true that there's 97 active serial killers in the in america today i think there are a lot more than 97 active serial killers my point is, is that you could do that in like these unmonitored chat rooms where people are just like talking about murdering people or eating children or whatever. Oh. And you can't yes. do that as easily as anymore because Good. you gotta go on the dark net or something Good. creepy. Yeah. Well, do you think on people on Reddit? Do people on Reddit talk about eating babies or do no? People, people you can't do that on that. Reddit. <laughs> I hate Reddit. This is not a good thing to say on the podcast. I have a lot of problems with Reddit, but no, they do not talk about. Eating babies. Eating that would babies get taken and down. Murdering people. They, yes. have, they have mods. There okay. is moderation on Reddit. Okay. I don't, I've never been on Reddit. No, you probably gotta go to some, like, I don't know. 
I don't know these things. I'm a good person. Yeah, we, we don't know. We don't know where on the internet you can find people talking about eating babies. Let's just make that very clear. We don't know where they exist. And I couldn't find a serial killer if I wanted one to murder someone for me. I wouldn't know where to find them. I would Google it. Google it? No, because then they'd know. Yeah, the FBI is tracking you. You gotta get... Shouts out to Snowden. You gotta get to... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You gotta get to the, the deep web. Yeah. That's all I know. Okay. So, can we talk about I Derek? I read a Thomas Pitch. Can we talk about Derek for three seconds because I don't really care about Derek? He's cute. He's fine. He's cute. He's 1997 cute. He's I, got a nice body. When he's, he's strapped up there I was, gonna on say, the, I was gonna say, he has a good body and then he dies. Um, but he... Are they, are they pouring beer like on his junk? On his junk. Yeah, I only... Know, that was actually the first time I ever noticed that because I saw that he had the... Um, he what takes it? it pretty well. He's like, oh, that's it's, cold. It's cold, but I love Sydney. Like, that's my favorite is the, is the, you frat, mean your brother? Frat guy's being, you do love it. And he's like, no, I sent Sydney. And I'm like, Derek, there's, you're strapped to a giant sun. Like, please. They're having fun with you. Have fun. Just have fun. No, he like doesn't want, he, Derek doesn't like to have fun. Uh, except for his big moment, which I wanted to talk about only because I don't feel like it really fits in this movie, but I the also. The sequence? Yes. Uh, but I, I wrote down. I this the I think I love you feels really out of place in this movie, but I also feel like I'm wrong about that, which is <laughs> because I I don't think it fits. It really distracts me, um, and Derek literally I feel only exists to a be the anti Billy Loomis. He's not Billy Loomis. He does not guilt her. He does not pressure her. Yeah, so he found a good chill. boyfriend. Yeah, and then he died too. And I think that like him being the anti Billy is. Is it's good that we're setting up that like it's not just she doesn't, she doesn't just have bad taste in men. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that that's that's a possibility. Well, teenagers have bad taste in in dating partners, and she was a teenager and. True, and uh, but she, now she's in college and she gets the pre med, good guy. Who's good singing be, voice. Good, it's okay. <laughs> that's that's a nice, uh, you know, thing from Mickey because they're friends. But no, uh, might even be sarcasm. But. Um, He's just, he's sweet and he's goofy and he specifically doesn't really like do the things that Billy does like, and be like, you think I'm the killer? How dare you? I thought you loved me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, other than that, I don't, and he also is there to, to be contribute to Sydney's guilt. So, cause doesn't she, didn't we talk about this? Doesn't she wear his letters in Scream 3? Yes. Yes. So she carries this with her for all of Scream 3, which is about Sydney's guilt and her hiding. So yes. This this one really sticks with her, and I so I don't care about Derek, but I understand his. I also want to point out we have the we share the unpopular opinion that we love Scream Three. Oh yes, that is a much maligned oh, movie. Oh, I love Scream Three. Yeah, I think that movie is incredible, but it is the worst of the four. Of the four, yes, yes. yes. So what... still better than Kubo and the Two Strings. <laughs> so what's murder? Yeah, the next four. murder. I didn't write down which one it is. It's an oh, it's 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 the attempt. It does not it does not succeed because he doesn't actually kill Dewey. We think it. We think we Dewey's think dead. It's, it's Dewey. a really well done fake out. Oh, it's great because Dewey already survived. Why would he keep surviving? I know. I think it's funny about Dewey that both, all three, definitely one and two, Dewey is like dead, and then they're like he's not dead, and it's great because it's yeah. I think I think actually for the first scream. They killed him and people reacted poorly to it. So they were like, all right, bring him back. He just put him in the emergency room at the end. But it's why it makes sense. Like Randy, for him to die now is like, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's move on. Yes. But no, they wanted to, they wanted to keep him and it was nice. Um, but so who is that? Who is the attempted? I think it's Mickey. I think it's Mickey Because too. he sucks at murdering. Okay. <laughs> he fails twice. Um, he's so clumsy. Is that all the, is that all the same night? Yes. From... Yes. And if this is the thing, this is the real, this, this is, it ties too much into Murder 5, um, which is why it's really hard for me What's to decide. Murder 5? Murder 5 is Hallie. Okay. The two FBI agents and Hallie. And Debbie is seen immediately after that at the payphone. Yeah. So either, here's my, here's the sequence of events. Possibly Mickey was Murder 4 because Debbie had to go murder. Is Murder 4 Dewey? Yes. Okay. Um, that might be Mickey because Debbie had to go chase Sydney and murder her and Hallie and those FBI agents. Are those supposed to be one after the other or are they happening at the They're same time? They're having the same time because they split off. They're like, it's okay, Sid, we're going to take you somewhere safe. Yeah. And then after they're like, okay, bye, Sid, take care of yourself. Hallie's like, I'm coming with you. Um, I guess she goes to her dorm to get stuff. 
So potentially it's a little bit after. They could both be Debbie. I don't think so. I think... I think Because that's either... the other thing is... Murder 5, the thing in the car, is that they get knocked out? Mm-hmm. Is that... Is that the, Mickey's head Is that wound? Mickey's head wound at the end? Probably. I think it is. So... So Mickey kills Hallie. Mickey is the one chasing Sydney. Mm-hmm. So either Mickey stays in Ghostface attire the whole time. Wait, isn't he at the party? We don't know. We don't see him, I don't think. He's not a brother. Yeah. He's not in the Greek he's not in the Greek system. System, whereas all those other boys are and the two sorority girls are. Yeah. That's why they're there. Portia de Rossi and um, Yes. What's your name? I don't know the other one. Yeah, okay, so he's probably not there. So either no. he's in Ghostface Garb chasing around, he's doing he kills Dewey and then chases and chases Hallie and And that's the thing. It has to that has to be Mickey, because that's definitely happening. No. This is my because thing. Because Gail at the f- Here's the thing. Debbie Debbie definitely isn't as physically strong as Mickey. Yes, and I can see her being like, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I want to wait until my big moment with Sydney. Because she doesn't really try to kill Sydney. In She lets her go. She lets her run away. For Mickey, no, for Debbie to be trying to kill Gail. I guess. It depends on how she feels about Gail. Because that is the target of Murder 4, is Gail. And Dewey. True. She chases uh, Gail around a lot more than Dewey. And Dewey sort of like intervenes That's there. That's true. Also, can we just talk about that sequence? Because it's one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie. The silent window. The silent window. The whole thing leading up to it. The Have you ever been in like a like a broadcasting center, like a radio room in like a college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At a college. Yeah. The way that, that it winds around, all those kind of like the rooms that just lead to other rooms. And that's so like true and correct and such a great setting for these sequences. They could have done even more with it, honestly. They could have, they could have. Um, I just think it's it's the whole, the pacing is so beautiful when Gail, she's, you first you see her, she's creeping along and then she's in that, like, whatever those, those that padded thing is. I thought it was like padding for sound. Yeah. Um, and she sort of, you see her, she, she moves and then she stops and then she moves and then she stops and then it's just, it's, it's so slow, but it's so like also frenetic and you see him or her, probably Debbie in the background. And then when she gets into the room and she closes the door and she yells like, fuck, it's just so, it's so well done. And yeah. it, it's just like tur- twisting and turning hallways and doors and the doors that lock and the doors that don't. And then ending it with the, both the two way, the one way mirror. Or it's a one. It's a one way. It's a, a one way sound window. I'm trying to say one way. No, you can't hear it on either side. They yeah, can't hear can't, each other at all. Yeah, it's not the sound. It's no ways. Not, <laughs> I guess that's true. It's no ways. You have to use the microphone. It's soundproof. Soundproof win- Soundproof window. That's what I was looking for. Um, the soundproof window, and then when he tries to get in the door, and she pushes the cabinet over, mm-hmm. and the way that it just hits where he can get in just enough and tries to swipe at her with the knife. Yeah. But can't. And then she's just trapped And is so there. frustrated, yeah. Is so frustrated, but then just leaves. That does actually, now that you're saying it, feel very Debbie. I was going to say that it's um, Mickey because he sucks, but uh, it actually... Right, I think that's sucks. Debbie. And you know what sucks about Mickey dri- uh, trying to kill Hallie is he drives that car and gets into a car accident like an idiot. And it makes sense that Debbie immediately catches up with Gail out of costume. Yes. Because she's like, I'm trying to fucking get you. Well, yeah, and when does Gail, like... I don't know how we don't it's know how long it's when she leaves Gail. there. We she don't know how long it takes for her to get to the phone, but no, but she runs into Cotton first. Oh, she and Cotton's cotton already first. found Dewey, so Gail's also already been creeping around the school. That's true. Running, like trying to just get away, and but I can picture yes, I can picture her stalking Gail, looking for her moment to strike because all she really does clearly is like just takes Gail hostage after running into her. Right, but they, they, but Gail doesn't find her. Or, um, Debbie doesn't find Gail. Gail finds Debbie. She runs True. up to the payphone. So that just feels like bad timing. I don't know if Debbie has a specific agenda or whether she's just like... She doesn't even, she has a gun. And then she just takes Gail to the Right, I don't, but I don't know if she's like, does she want to kill Gail specifically? She doesn't even kill Gail. She doesn't, no. she doesn't shoot Gail. I think she's just using her... I, I love the moment, um, where she sends Gail in first. It's so dramatic and i wrote it like it hurts me yeah. because like i because I sydney's left, betrayed because sydney feels so betrayed and sydney when she says gail when she's like she sees her there because mickey's like here she comes the other killer and then gail steps out 
Sydney isn't like, Gail? She's like, Gail. Yeah. She, like, something inside of her felt like, oh, that makes sense. And that sucks. I like, I like. She still doesn't have a reason to love. No, Gail. no, she like, doesn't. But, like, it, it just hurts me as a viewer that, like, she and Gail, by, by three and four, feel so bonded by their circumstances. We have so much to talk about. Can I just ask a question of you? Yes. What the hell <laughs> does Gail Weathers teach seminars about? That Debbie Salt went to in Chicago. Oh no! Isn't it? Um, doesn't she teach a seminar? What's? Isn't it in three? She does, isn't she on a book tour? In what? In three? three? No, there's something in three or in four where she's talking to a group of people and it's like you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And some student is like, like you did, and she's like, yeah. I think that's in three. I want to say that's like she's she's giving a seminar and then that's when she finds out about the first murder that happens in in, in season in season three, in um the uh, scream three. So she does give she goes and gives seminars on investigative journalism. I think that like, more than being a writer, or even a well, true, she, she, a true she's crime writing fiction writer. For, and she's failing. yes yes she's a true crime writer and I and well she's, she's a reporter. That's the thing. She's a true crime writer writing from the uh, point of view of an investigative journalist. Yeah. So. Because she's not a reporter. I think that's the thing. She she is one. That's who she ends up working for. But she isn't in... That what she wants to be, what she, like, does in her in her brain is she's an investigative journalist. She wants to, like, seek out the truth. And that was her whole thing in Scream 1 of, like, Cotton Weary Cotton, has yeah. already been put in prison. But she's like, mm, I don't know. I'm not just going to report murderer, on this. Cotton Weary. Except that's who she is, honestly. Um, she didn't want to just report on it. She wanted to like prove him innocent and do that by like finding clues. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so do you think Debbie Salt was actually at this seminar? No way. She's trying to flatter her. She's just trying to butter her up. Yeah, but she's crazy. Debbie Salt is too busy to go to seminars and investigative. She's doing what? Emailing teenagers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in her room throwing darts at Sydney's picture. Like she's got a busy life. Or probably pictures she had to of Sydney's mom. Tbh. Both of them. She hits them both. One of them took her husband away, the other one took her son away. Like, that's... Yes. Uh, she had to train Mickey a lot. She she talked about... I think she, like... Mickey's really all just raw talent. Raw, raw... No, he's not even talent. He's just angry. He's just psychotic. So she just had to, like, make Is him... Is he good talented? No. What happens to serial killers who aren't good at serial killing? They die. Or they go to prison. Do they kill anybody? This is a big question. Oh, yes. I think they could probably kill... Oh, this is the big question is, are they serial killers? Um, so we've identified, I think, that Debbie kills Dewey, quote-unquote. Yeah. And then Mickey is Dewey. with... Hallie. Hallie and Sydney, and, and the two he gets babies. his head injury when he crashes the car. The car. That makes a lot of sense. Because um, his, his, his head injury is still bleeding. Oh, when yeah, he takes off his fresh. mask. Yeah. It's fresh. And I was trying to think if there's anything that happened with um, with Gale and Dewey that would have caused that, but they don't do anything to him. They just run from him. Like, there's no there's no fight sequence with, with yeah. Ghostface when they're talking to him. Do you talk about the denouement? Which is... The whole stage it's sequence. Not the denouement. That's the climax. Denouement is, is Cotton getting his uh, interview at the end. I guess. It's all, it's, the whole crest and fall is there. I guess. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Because I want to talk about Cotton. We haven't talked about Cotton yet. I just want to talk about, I, do you think that Mickey, or, do you think that Derek and Cindy recognize Mickey's voice, or they're just confused? I think they recognize his voice. It's a part of why it's so upsetting. Like, before he takes off the mask? Yeah. I did this time. Yeah. the iPhone, isn't that who that is? Yes. Yeah, he's got. A, I think he's got a very distinctive voice, um, and I think that. Uh, I never thought that was Timothy Oliphant until you just said it. Really? It but it is. He's just so young. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. That movie's got a lot of great people in it because it also has that guy from. Isn't that that guy from Fringe? Is that him? Guy from Fringe. Or is it not? Who's that, that from House? The other film guy. Oh, Dawson. Was oh, that Dawson? Is that who yes. that is? Wait, okay. isn't it? It's either Dawson or it's the guy from Fringe. Uh, Joshua Jackson? It's Joshua Jackson. Isn't it? Which one is he? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is he both? They're all... Like, all right, it's time to look this up. This they're is all a... people who became... I was, I was going to keep IMDb open during this and I just no. forgot. He is both. 
He is the guy he's, from Fringe, and he's, he's Dawson also, and the guy from Fringe. No, he's Pacey. He's not Dawson. Dawson is James Vanderbeek. Yes, but he's. I watched a movie recently. This is so interesting. I watched a movie recently where they call him Dawson. Weird. They call Joshua Jackson Dawson. Yes, Weird. he been playing himself. Interesting. Um, I don't know what movie that would have possibly been. <laughs> but anyway, no, the film class is great because the film class really does set up like there's a lot of um, good actors oh, in there. It's Ocean's Eleven. Is what I'm thinking of. And Joshua Jackson plays himself? Yes. That's fantastic. Uh, Brad Pitt is, um, he teaches celebrities how to, like, hustle cards. Right. You do not care about <laughs> I don't care about Ocean's Eleven. Okay, I also want to talk about, I think that the stage setup is a clear precursor to Scream 3. Yeah. They're I like, oh, look at what we could do with, like, a facade, a facade and, like, props. Yes. And that's such a cool i don't i know there must have been like a lot of reasons for why they chose like they chose cassandra as the play i wrote that down is there some symbolism that i don't know no it's i think it's it's just the idea of fate like kind of having it in for you and sydney that the scene where we see her acting as cassandra what joshua jackson also in cursed really (laughs) yes oh my god so um with cassandra like the scene where they're also, one of the scariest scenes of the movie, I think, when she's acting as Cassandra and all the people in robes are yelling at her and she keeps seeing Ghostface mm-hmm. pop up. Joshua so, yeah, Jackson so was also on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as a Dawson's Creek super fan. That makes clerk. sense, yes. Um, so. Welcome to enough about, Now Screaming, enough the Joshua about Jackson about podcast. Jackson. Um, so, the destruction of the theater is very interesting. Um, it specifically really hurt me this time. I was like, Sydney, stop cutting ropes. It's going to take so long to fix. I love her doing the, uh, Foley, the, uh, it's not Foley. It's just a sound effect, um, of the thunder. Oh yeah. To like disorient Debbie. (laughs) It's like drama. Yeah. I think her breaking, getting the ax and just like when Debbie peers through the little hole she's made with the bullets and she sees Sydney like with an axe, yeah. I would be like, all right, murder over, time to go. <laughs> like, yeah. Sydney's got an axe and there's no way I'm going to live. But then Sydney, instead of just using it to attack, uses it to like destroy the theater and bury her under mounds and mounds of fake uh, like rocks. You got to do what you got to do. No, I think she's smart. I think that's, it's, I don't think, I think that if she tried to start swinging the axe at Debbie, it would have gone poorly for her. I think that like, Swinging an axe can often be very dangerous for yeah. oneself. Just start dropping light fixtures. Dropping light, light fixtures onto her is genius. Like, yeah. No, Sydney's the best. Sydney's so smart. She's so beautiful. I love her. You really love her. I really love her. I really love my favorite Sydney line in this movie is um, when she's fighting with uh, Mickey. There's one thing you forgot about Billy Loomis. I fucking killed him. Oh, it is the greatest line. Yeah. It is the greatest. Also because... When we, you go back and watch Scream 1, she didn't really kill Billy. Yeah, at the end. At the end. She shoots him, like, point blank when he tries to rise up in she, a... T- she ends his she life. She ends his life. And that's why I think it's even, it's even better. She didn't defeat Billy. No. That's, that's why it's even better. It's like, no, I killed him. He came at me and I shot him in the, in the, like, in the head. Yeah. Like, don't mess with me. Yeah. Oh, Sydney. You know who else you love? Who? Cotton Weary. I actually like Cotton Weary more than Randy in this movie. He's less of a shithead. He's more of a shithead, but it's more no, interesting. No, no, he's just... He's not creepy. He just wants to be famous. <laughs> no. Cotton is so creepy. When he... when he, what? When he accosts her in the library and he taps on her forehead, like, that's the ultimate, like, don't touch me, like, moment of, like, he's like, oh, you stupid Sydney, and he, like, taps on her head, and it's, like, really, really creepy. The thing that I love about Cotton is that... he's dopey. I don't know. No, he's not dopey. He's... Cotton has a weird... I I wrote down that he's insidious. I think, one, his fame... uh, Hunger. Hunger is, uh, is... is insidious. It's at the it's at the expense of others a lot of the time. Yeah. But but he also has this. He wants to be the good guy. He really does. He's like he thinks in his heart that he's a good person. So he, when he talks about himself, he's like, no no no. I just want the world to know that like I'm a good person. In all fairness, the world thought he wasn't. Yeah, and they still do. But I'm saying like accosting a eighteen a really bad eighteen thing year happened old. To him. A really bad thing happened to him. Bad things have also happened to Sydney. It, worse things, worse things happen to Sydney. Far worse, okay. So I think that... Sydney's ethics are not 
in question here. No, but my point is, it's just him, him seeking out Sydney in order to be famous. Be famous, and 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 not even being like, not even I don't know, calling her on the phone or organizing some conversation with her, where this is a girl. She's probably like 18, 19 years old. Yeah. She's completely terrified. Accosting her. I will use the word accost because what he does, he terrifies her in a library alone um, in order to yell at her because the world has not accepted that he's innocent is not, that's not on her. Is it not her fault? No. That the world sees him this way. No, because if he went to prison, he also went to trial. Because of her testimony... Maybe it is it is Sydney's fault that Cotton went to jail. I think she was just wrong. I, I, she was just wrong. You can't be upset at her about it. Well, no. we can't as viewers. And then he was. Ex- he can. And then he, you know, and then he was exonerated. Yeah. And it's, so it's not her fault that people still don't like him. It's p- other people's fault that they might still be um, wary of someone who was in prison and was exonerated. Like I hear you. Plus, also, this is the thing about Cotton is that. He, it's not just that he went to prison and then you see him and he's just a good guy. He has, he's a complicated person. Yeah. And so he doesn't come out of prison and be, and be like, I love everyone. I think he's more interesting in Scream 3 than he is here. He's barely in Scream 3. I think he's nothing but shitty in Scream 3. This movie has him, the, the, compli- the complicated feelings I have about him, like killing Debbie because Sydney said, consider your... 60, interview, your interview yeah. done, and then after afterwards he's like, "Well, you know, Sydney, I, I, I would never do anything to hurt you." We don't know that. I was looking at his face when he's like got the gun trained on both of them. It's so angry. It's terrifying. Again, I think his anger is righteous. Obviously, he shouldn't kill Sydney. Duh. But I think he should be angry. He or he should be. He has a right to be. He has every right to be. I don't think he should be angry at her specifically. She was a child when she sent him to prison. Yeah. I just don't see that being something he's to take out on her. He shouldn't take it out on her, His but... relation... Well, that's what he's doing, though. Because he's, he's cornering her and he's stalking her across the campus. If he finds her in the library, it's because he figured out where she was and went to go talk to her there and got her alone. Yeah. And that's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah, I think that, I think right. The thing that I like about Cotton is that you can have somebody who's a bad person, but not, not the villain. You know, a lot of... In horror movies, we get a lot of people who, like... Are black and white. Are black and white. Yeah. And Cotton is not. Cotton is someone who, like... He doesn't have what's best for Sydney. Randy's not either. No. Randy's on the good side. The person who's more complicated is Gail. Because you never know if she's just there for her story. And when she says, I feel really bad, and, and Randy... And, uh, not Randy. Dewey. Dewey doesn't really believe her. And she's to be like, I... No, I genuinely I really do. do. I feel horrible, and I want to kill him. Um, that's a big moment for Gail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And... So and that's actually why Gail and Cotton's relationship is one of my favorites. They have a very antagonistic, but a little bit of like, we get each other stuff going on, um, and I think that's really fun. I have one more topic I want to talk about. Okay, that's all mine. So, which is that this movie feels extremely '90s, specifically when um, Debbie says, "My motive isn't as '90s as Mickey; it's just like revenge." That's supposed to mean modern. Today, it still feels 90s, but it doesn't feel modern. It feels 90s because of this stupid blame the movies thing. Yeah, that is That so is not 90s. a thing that anyone talks about now. Even with, the, ba- even same, with the Batman thing. Even with the, yeah, yeah. But it's like so Tipper Gore, PMRC, like mm-hmm. media is, I mean, like this is even like pre-Columbine, which is insane because like it hasn't even, we haven't even reached the apex of blaming media for psychopaths yet. It's because it was proven to be wrong. It's because it, like they did studies and it, it ended up not being correct. After this, you know what it is? Well, you know what it is now? It's not movies; it's video games. I think that's died down a little bit. It is, but that's the two thousands. That's the two thousand. The nineties argument is the movies. Thousands arguments video games, and now it's like the internet. No, because Columbine was ninety nine, and they were like specifically like Marilyn Manson. You are personally responsible for the Columbine shootings. That's yeah. how people felt. Was that music? Like people yeah. think it was it's just, music. It's, 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 I'm just talking about media in general. Yeah, I guess it doesn't feel like a thing that people talk about now is media being responsible for. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a, a hot topic the way that it is, and like the same thing with people love good. I guess like Amanda Knox and Casey Anthony. That's still like a thing, but yeah, and uh, the um, 
What was Keith Scanning? That was inspired by movies? Or are we talking about... No, we're talking about like... Um, big Trials. Big Trials being Jean like... Benet is coming back into vogue. They're doing a big thing about Jean Benet. But Jean Benet is also like, you know, that feels so of a oh. piece with what he's talking about of like the the spectacle. The trial. It's like specifically like about the spectacle of... Theater. Yeah. That's the destruction and of theater element that's really interesting. Is her destroying the spectacle? Destroying, a, yeah, destroying the theater, destroying the spectacle. I just want to say that I think it feels really 90s and that's... It's not a strike against it, but it feels a lot less timeless, I think, than the original Scream does. Because the original Scream can happen... I mean, there's technology anachronisms... Or not anachronisms, but um, technology things that are dated in any movie. Mm -hmm. I think Scream, the same way that any good... That Halloween or um, Friday the 13th... Anything that, like, is not dependent on culture. It's just, like, here's a good old... You know, the horror, the horror movies that they're referencing in Scream are things that people reference now. It is yes. not... Yes. There's, a, there's a don't ask, don't tell joke in Scream 2. Like, That's true. It's, <laughs> it feels so 90s. It and does. I love this movie, but it was something I noticed this time that I don't think about a lot, is that it feels more dated than the original. Yes. And that's very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I think that's, I think that's actually... Um, uh, I, I'm just going to say this, and yeah, I could be totally wrong, but it seems true to me. <laughs> Is I think that's indicative of sequels. I think that happens in sequels a lot. Yeah. I think that the, the original happens. It's very, um, you know, it becomes a classic because everyone loves it because they relate to it or they yeah. are frightened about it or whatever. And then the sequel is like still trying to appeal to the people who loved it. So it's like, it's just, it's just trying to like, it's more aggressively trying to make you relate to it and make you right. love it because... Not only are you a person who consumes horror, you're a person who consumes horror in 1997, and therefore you will love the fashion, or you will love the right. the music that's being used. More effort goes into that sort of like yes, yeah, trying to uh, trying to keep your audience. Though Scream was also a major studio picture, so of course, what does that have to do with it? Nothing. Just I was trying to think of like uh, make a point about. Um, Marketing. I don't know, but that's also like the commentary of what it's doing. That's sort of the problem is that like it, it hamstrings itself by by doing this commentary and like putting on this show. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it matters. I really don't think it detracts from the movie. That no. motive just doesn't work. It doesn't. Now. Plus, the way Dewey, that Billy and Stu's yeah. motive works. Now. And Dewey totally calls uh, Gail out for her streaks. So it isn't even supposed to be oh, like. Yes. It isn't supposed to be like. Oh my God, Gail. She's so '90s fashion. It's like no, Gail's making nice streaks. Bad fashion decisions in 1997. Gail in her book calls Dewey Barney Fifish, <laughs> which is a really bad way of saying that. Yeah. And Gail must not be a very good writer. I don't think she is. She's just writing about incredible topics, and people will read it regardless. Yeah. She should just like call him Barney Fife. That's how you. That's how you get that sentence done. Yeah. <laughs> Barney Fifeish. <laughs> and Dewey's quoting it. Yeah. From memory. From memory. From that we have. <laughs> Ruined Dewey's damn life. Yeah. Her and Dewey are so funny too, because um, you know, this is the this is the end of the movie where she gives she gives it up for him. Yep. She's like, I don't want to do an interview, Joel. I want to go be in the ambulance with Dewey because I love him. Then we start off Scream Three. And they hate each other. Yep. That's actually probably bad. the nicest thing about Scream 4, post-Scream 3, is it's not like, they got married at the end of Scream 3, or like he proposes to her, and then Scream 4 opens with yet another Dewey conflict. You know, like dewey Gale conflict. It could have easily opened and been like, we're divorced. And then the, and then the thing is them getting back together. Instead they were like, no, we're yeah. going to leave this... Leave them be because that's happened three times already. We've had enough where of they, that. Where they're in love and then they're not, and then the whole movie's about them getting back together. Um, I, I really like them a lot. It doesn't ever feel contrived. Like, contrived to me. It's really, I think that their romance is always really lovely. Um, yeah. And in this, it's so funny that it's cause they're like watching themselves and they're like, we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we get really mad at each other for stupid reasons. And them chasing people around together, trying to figure out who's on the phone yep. is also one of my favorite comedic sequences in the movie. Yeah. Is that, a, is that it? Yeah, I mean, I I could talk about this movie for yeah. five more hours because, I mean, for two and a half hours of that would be me just crying because I love Sydney yeah. so much. This is our first episode, though. I don't know if listeners are ready to hear us talk about Scream 2 <laughs> for two and a half hours. It's probably probably already talked about it So that's Scream much. 2. It's it is. Now, it's now streaming. Screaming. Now screaming and streaming on Netflix.com. Netflix. We both highly recommend it, I'd say. 
Absolutely. The, the, not by itself. This is the problem with it being the only Scream on Netflix is you should go watch Scream uh, and then Scream 2 and then find Scream 3 and Scream 4. Go purchase Scream, stream Scream 2 on Netflix. And then purchase Scream Purchase 3. Scream 3 and 4. And 4. Uh, they are incredible as, a, as individuals and as a whole, which I yeah. think is really great for um, a horror franchise. Yeah. yeah. Now to the aforementioned housekeeping... Mm-hmm. We're going to pick a movie every week and watch it, and it's going to be currently on Netflix. But it has—it's going to be randomly selected. We're right. going to this. We picked Scream Two because we wanted to start with something that we both knew. But from now on, it's going to be completely randomly selected. Which means it could be something we have seen a million times, like this, or it could be something we've never seen and never wanted to watch, never had any interest in, or it could be something that one of us has seen. I will say I've seen a lot of the bad movies on Netflix uh, in the horror section. Um, some of them which are still on there, so I will be watching some of them right. again. I'm very curious to see how you feel about them. And I think there are there are ones that you've seen that I haven't seen, right? Yeah. There's some classics on there still. Oh, definitely. Um, one of the uh, Chucky movies is up there, and I have to yes. watch the, the first one first. So what we're going to do is we've got a list that we're going to be maintaining as things go on and off Netflix. So, you know, it's really random and, you know, at the, at the whim of, of fate. Of the random generator. And there's a, there's a list of about 200 movies. Shouts out to Cassandra and Fate. And Fate. <laughs> uh, so every week we're going to do this little roulette and we're going to figure out what we're going to watch the next week and then we're going to watch it and then tell you if you should. <laughs> yep. And we'll watch it separately uh, so as not to influence each other's... Because uh, you, I, I will look over at you when you're, when you're doing things and I... And like when we saw Kubo and the Two Strings last night and you were, you were make, going... <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. So, next week's movie is... So we're going to pick next week's choice out of 200 movies on a random choice selector. And next week's movie is... The Curse of Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> I don't want to watch this. Uh, let's look oh, up what The Curse of Sleeping gosh. Beauty is. I've seen it. It's one of the newest. I, I, I know this already. It's one of the new releases on Netflix. You've already seen it? No, I have seen it pop up on new releases, so it's new. It looks not great, but it, but Netflix is really trying to get us to watch it, so we're going to knock it out uh, early. You said you don't want to watch it. Uh, we have to. Yeah. We have to watch it. We're watching the 2016 American horror film, The Curse of Sleeping Beauty. It looks um, campy, but maybe it'll be fun. It looks horrible. Maybe it'll be fun. We have to do it. Oh boy. Oh boy. So uh, right. tune in next week. Uh, we talk about that. The Curse of Sleeping Beauty. We'll probably have a lot to say about it. We'll do it. We, we are uh, we're gonna, suffering. We suffer for you. You're welcome. <laughs> so that's the end of our first episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening. And uh, special thanks to Jonas Seleka, who composed our theme music, one handed. Incredible theme music. In, in a fi- couple hours. Yeah, like very quickly. <laughs> He's a superstar and we love him very much. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Wes Craven. Thank you, thank you, Wes Craven, for giving us uh, Sydney. Yeah. Giving me Sydney. Uh, giving you Sydney. My girlfriend. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. See you next week. Thanks. Bye bye.